Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. It's also a special day because we want to focus on dedicating children to the Lord through another avenue. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Today we're highlighting and focusing on children in our own city, children who need help, children who need care, children who need to be loved. And uh, I want to introduce to you Mark and Misty Rodriguez. And in just a few moments, Janelle is going to tell a little bit about their story, and we're going to talk with them. And um, I want to go back first to the year 2020. I want to go back to right at the beginning of the year. Um, For those of you who were around at that time, um, every single year at the beginning of the year, we would do something called Vision Sunday. And really, we would cast vision for the year of some of the ministry efforts that we're Uh, aiming for um, locally, nationally, or internationally. We would talk about some of the new projects that we were taking on, some of the new groups we were starting, some of the new things that we were doing. And often I would give a theme or a verse, really, that just would be kind of like the bullseye for us for the year. And at at that time, in January 2020, I felt like the Lord was giving us something, not just for that year, but for the next decade. And so I communicated that to our staff and our, our leaders and I communicated that to our church, and then I preached a series on it. But really, the, the, the two words were, make room. Make room. And it, and it came from these verses um, in Leviticus. This would be the first one. And it was this. It's in the Old Testament. It says, when you harvest the crops of your land, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. And don't pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Okay? Let me give you one more. Deuteronomy 24, verse 20. It says, when you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over them twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. And when you gather grapes in your vineyard, don't take them from the vines after they are already picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That is why I'm giving you this command, okay? So God was, get a picture here. God was saying, okay, you're sowing every day and every year, and you're reaping every year. And every single day and every single year, there's edges of the field from your harvest in your life. And he's saying, leave what's on the edges for others, And then he's specific about who those others are and how the heart of God is for people who are foreigners and orphans and widows. The the word that's used is sojourners, so people who are are traveling. You know, whether you're from California, God help you, and you're landing here in Texas, and uh, or whether you're from uh, Minnesota and you came here from came to Texas. He's saying if if you're in this place and space and and you don't know people, it's God's heart that you would be looked after that someone would be taking care of you as well and thinking about your life 
not just thinking about themselves. So God puts his command on us as his people to be the ones who have the eyes for those who are misplaced or those who are orphans and those who are widows. So how do you do that? Well, we don't reap to the edges of our fields. With our tithes and our offerings, we sow, we build. Um, and then we have to be committed to that portion that God has designated for his work on the earth, right? So this is a principle of God from long past, but more importantly, it's not just a principle, it's the heart of God. God is showing us how he cares, and he's instructing us that, hey, you were once slaves. You once came out of bondage. Can anybody testify that they came out of bondage? So, and God has done a great work, right? And he's saying, don't forget that. And the way you don't forget that is make sure that your hand is giving to the work of the Lord. Are you with me? Okay. And so um, part of that return is supposed to be a portion for the work of God here on the earth. Okay. So think about this. Who took time for you? Long ago, who took time for you? Think back, especially if you're a little older now or really older, and think about who settled in. And when, you, when they settled into life and you were unsettled, who extended a hand? And if you're like, well, nobody did that for me. Okay, well, guess what? You get to do that for somebody because you know what that felt like, you know? So what we're saying here is we have to be people and we want to be a church that makes room for God to use us. It makes room for God to use us, which means uh, we can't consume everything that we get. Okay, so think about this. This is not charity. This is the heart of God. This is not, well, I want to feel good about myself at Christmas, so I'm going to do something. No, this is something that permeates our heart and our life day in and day out. It's not just a holiday thing. It's not a charity thing. This is the heart of our Lord. And it's trusting Jesus to fill us as we sow into others. Amen? Okay. Um, so I want to talk about what today is. Um, today is, is what we're recognizing as a specific Sunday where we're going to uh, recognize and dedicate this Sunday to children who are being fostered, okay? I want to give you just some stats quickly. Uh, today, 12 children will be removed from their homes for abuse and neglect in our community. Think about that. 12 children. And these are stats. Like, let's be honest. This is just what we know. This is just what's being reported, okay? Um, secondly, six will be placed in kinship care with a relative and oftentimes, that's a grandmother. A lot of times, it's a, it's, a, it's a single grandmother. How many of you want to thank God for grandmothers in the house today, right? Yeah. And then six will be placed in foster care with complete strangers. Okay? Now, think about this. Now, um, when we don't play our piece uh, and, and we don't do our part as a church, think about this. Sex trafficking victims spent time in foster care, guess what, 76%, okay? When we see sex trafficking victims, when we read about this, when we see these numbers, guess what? 76% people who spent time in foster care, okay? 45% the homeless population spent time in foster care, okay? Now, let's think about when we see the homeless, we see what they're going through, and we see especially in the last few years due to everything that's happened economically, we see homelessness increasing. I was in three different cities within a short time frame just about a year ago. I was in New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Portland, and there was always homeless, 
but this time it literally had tripled. Everywhere I was driving within these concentrated areas, it had tripled more than I'd ever seen. And I've gone to this, gone to those cities multiple times. So it was obvious what happened. 40% aged out youth will be incarcerated by 19 years old. Think about that. Four out of 10 aged out. What does it mean when they age out? It means once they hit a certain age, they're done. They're released. Now, I have known people over the years who have aged out of foster care or been in difficult situations, and a lot of times the money that they were supposed to be given was never given to them. Maybe the foster home used it or the, the, the people used it or, or they weren't cared for. I've known people who were passed around to 20 different homes, 20-plus homes, and that's probably a small number for a lot of people. And then you see 3% aged out youth attend tuition-free college. So how many of you can see already just by what we've got here that we have an opportunity as the church to just be aware, to be aware of what's going on on the earth, to not just look at a homeless person and say, oh, they just need food and water and shelter. No, we need to think about the soul of what might have happened to this individual and what the real story is and how we can be a part of maybe closing out a story like that so that doesn't continue to happen. Okay, let me go to this next uh, slide here. For our counties, there are eight counties here, and it's Bear, Kendall, Comal, Atascosa, Guadalupe, Wilson, Bandera, and Medina. The total number of children in foster care today, again, this is an estimate, 3,318, okay? 1,153 are in kinship homes. Someone's taking care of them, a grandma, a relative. Okay, 109 are in emergency shelters, and 257 are in residential treatment facilities, and 1,136 are waiting for adoption. They're waiting for adoption, okay? So I want to take, those are some so sobering statistics, aren't they? Hello? Yes, they are. And they, they should wake us up and they should cause us to say, hey, what part can we play at the very least in being aware? What can we do as a church? What can we do as individuals? What awareness can we have? How can we contribute through prayer or through finances or what, or what have you? Well, Mark and Misty have done a great part in that, and Janelle's going to tell you a little bit about their story. Yeah. So Mark and Misty, um, we've been friends for a very long time, and I remember when Mark came to us, and we, were, we hadn't even planted a church. We were just meeting in a house, just a few of us, praying about um, whether we were going to start Grace Avenue or not, and Mark was freshly divorced from Misty and in a really tough spot when he came, and um, God has done an incredible work of reconciliation, and I'm going to let them share that, but I just want you guys to know that we have walked out and watched them walk out what they're about to share with you um, over the past 10, 12 years, and it has not been easy, and I am such a fan of them. We, are, we admire them so much because, you know, their story started with infertility and just this deep desire to have their own children, and in the time that they were praying and seeking God and trying different things, we watched as they, you know, went to every baby shower, went to every kid's party, babysat everybody's kids um, for free just because they loved it. Like, I just watched them walk through it with such a beautiful spirit, refusing bitterness, refusing um, to just shut off and shut themselves in always there to lend a helping hand, and God has moved. And this has not just been a story about Mark and Misty. This has 
a, a burden and a ministry that is now being birthed out of their struggle. And um, you're going to love to hear about it. So why don't you get us started, Misty? Sure. I wish I could say I would start off on a little bit of a lighter note, uh, but I'm going to go straight into our divorce. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a little hefty. Um, but so in 2006, Mark and I, we had been married now for three years at that time. And we that's when we started to walk out our infertility journey. And so going through the infertility journey ended up leading us to become foster parents in 2009, 2010. And very soon after we became foster parents, we realized how unstable our relationship was and how unhealthy we were. So long story short, we got divorced, which meant our season of being foster parents had come to an end, and that was very messy and very hard. We lost our home. That was very messy and very hard. And through that, we realized that we were a mess. And so we divorced. <coughs> but during two years, like December, like of 2010 to 2012, God had really done a work in each one of us individually. So I had gone and I had sought the Lord. Mark had gone and he had sought the Lord. And eventually he started to bring in some restoration. So we became friends again. I don't know. That's like a miraculous. Um, and then we, and then we started dating, and then we got married again right here at Grace Avenue, and we have just the most beautiful community here. Like our pastors have really invested in us. We've never been this healthy, or even dreamed of being this healthy. And so it's really wonderful to see just like the restoration that's happened through our marriage and then even restoring us purchasing a home, which was felt miraculous as well. Um, but what we didn't want to pick back up was the infertility journey because that was very painful. And every step along the way of restoration had been like nerve wracking. So we just kind of stuffed it a little bit. And it wasn't until I was having dinner one night with Pastor Janelle and she had just mentioned she did not want it to become too late, and we had regret that we never picked this back up. And um, the Bible says that wisdom comes from taking good advice, and that was very good advice for us to listen to. So I went home to Mark, and we had this conversation about it, and we decided, okay, I think it's, we're not getting younger. Uh, it's time to maybe pick it back up. And so that's what we did. Yeah, and I think because it was such a painful thing, um, I think a lot of us will do that. You know, we'll, we'll get distracted. Misty was doing, Miss, both Misty and Mark were doing so well. They were flourishing. They were leading in their areas of ministry. They were helping so many people. But that is no substitute for some of the things that, that God has called and placed on our life. And I think sometimes we can distract ourselves and keep ourselves from those things because they're painful. And so, Mark, what was it like when Misty came and, and brought that to you? Where were you at? Um, <coughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, the, the journey of the fertility, um, I feel like, do you want to go through that? Um, when, when she brought that to me and, and she shared your word, um, I think, okay, um, you know, we're not getting any younger, and let's do this. And so it didn't really come real till until we started going into the infertility, like, consultations and what it's all going to take. Um, and that alone um, 
if you, I don't know, the car for the, for life. And <clears throat> we were in any position to, to uh, take that off. And by God's grace, that finance was literally just dumped on our lap. Um, and so internally, I'm like, okay, this is God. This is, um, this is what, you know, my, my faith and my hope. Um, when you see tangibles like that, start, start to like level you up and, 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 and kind of grow in that, right? And so we're going through the consultations. We're like, look, you know, I see everything lining up, the house, the, the this, and, and we did it. We, we did it. And so we're just waiting for the call to say like, okay, yeah, you, you know, you're pregnant and, and all that. And uh, we got the call and it, and it was an egg. That took me out. That took me out. Um, <laughs> a lot of guys know me, see me cry, so it's like <laughs> uh, much less talk I've much. I've never <laughs> seen him cry. <laughs> um, today is the day. <laughs> that that took me out. Um, I remember leaving the room when when we got the no, and I immediately started listening to the lies of the enemy. Um, the way my house is set up, I have this like uh, kitchen island, and it looks directly into my my stairs. The stairs when we built the house, you know, me and Missy are writing scriptures of like of, of promises that we're doing. And so, when I looked at the stairs, I believed this lie of like um, I remember it was like a voice saying like you're never gonna see kids coming up that staircase again. And 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 I believed that for a season. And it really derailed what God was kind of preparing us and doing. And it put everything on hold um, in, in, in that season. It did. And then I remember because I felt like, okay, we've talked with Pastor Janelle. Um, I felt sure that this was the path that God was taking us on. And so for me, the no was very painful. But I was still like in motion. And so I am one that will go, 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 go. Like, if I have the green light, I'm headed there. Um, Mark needed a car. And I remember having to sit with that, like, being really ready, like, the engine was stalling. And then just having to, like, push aside and to stop mm -hmm. and let him have that time that he needed before we got there. Because if I kept going while my husband was not there, we were going to get derailed again. And so I had to take that time let him have his faith, let him get to a healthier faith, and then have a conversation again with him. And when he finally said, okay, we can keep going, we had to do it right. So we decided to, like, make sure that we sought wise counsel, that we went to counseling to make sure that we were on a solid foundation, that we, we were not going to uproot children again trying to go into, like, foster care or adoption. And so we did all of that, and then we decided, okay, now we have to make a choice. We want to adopt. That's the next step. That's really the only step at this point. And do we want to go, like, to an agency and adopt, or do we want to open our home to children in need? And the answer was so fast and so clear. We're going to open we're going to open our home to children in need. And that doesn't negate people that are saying, I'm going to go to an agency to adopt. But this is what we felt in our heart mm -hmm. was the right step. 
And so we started to take those steps, and again, I was ready to go. Who gave me a yes, and I'm going. And so <laughs> we found an, uh, uh, what is it, a foster care agency. We picked one together, and um, we were doing this orientation. And the lady said, I've seen this. I think the fastest I've seen this done is four months. So I was like, we are going to do it in three months. Um, so I like got everything. I started going. I was going so fast. But every time I tried to gain traction, I was met with a roadblock. And it caused me to wonder, like, okay, wait a second. Is this actually God or is this just me really now, like, wanting it? Um, and I had to sit with that tension for a little bit. I had to really take it to God. I had to cry on the phone with Pastor Janelle because I was like, I'm suffering. Um, and ultimately, what I found to be true is that every time that God has asked or assigned something to me, it has always been met with opposition because he's been building me along the way. I had to be built in those roadblocks. I had to make sure my character was good, that I had the patience, kindness, and all the fruits of the spirit that I was going to need once we became foster parents. Um, so we kept going through. I didn't make, meet, meet the deadline that I had hoped. But we did, we did become foster parents. And then I remember I was actually at church, and I was serving when I got a, our very first phone call saying, hey, we have this two-month-old baby girl. Would you like to open your home to her? And I was like, yes. I didn't even ask Matt because I knew we had already determined we were a yes. So I was like, yes. And then within a few hours, she was here at our home, and she was with us, and life felt so good for that moment. But, and then – because we um, we got to witness they were bringing all the kids to church and they had I think seven kids placed with them and um, not at one time no <laughs> throughout the couple throughout years the journey, yes. one year one year it felt all at one time to me because she would come in with a new her baby kids, yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that they'll take care of other people's foster babies on the weekends too so sometimes they have lots of kids in their home the so church is literally learn to say, is this a new, is this a new foster child? (laughs) So, um, I know, I loved what you were saying because I think many times, especially in the big things, obedience, it feels like it leaves a gap. And I think we think if I'm obeying God, everything's going to fall into place. And then we take, we, you know, we step out, we give the money or we start the business or we whatever it is that God is asking us to do and things do not fall right into our lap and they do not line up and there's like this gap where we're asking God, where are you? And um, I just saw how they continue to push through very prayerfully and faithfully um, until they got that first little baby into their home. Mark, what was that like for you? For me, it's like, okay, this is real. (laughs) It's no more training than what what it it could be, or it's now it's officially happening, and um, it, it was great. Um, the fir- our first one um, was you know obviously a, a learning process and seeing them grow, um, but I think the the thing that I wasn't expecting was the them leaving. You know, you you kind of pour you pouring into them and you're watching them grow and each one they're, they're different um, and when the time is up it's just like you you end up with this void um, and it's, it's just funny that like I mean it, it was almost like a, a grief behind 
and um, then you have to do it all over again. And you have to be willing to understand that hurt, that the moment, the time that they spent with you is, you know, you're, you're pouring, you're pouring in, um, you know, Jesus and you're pouring in God. And, and, and quite frankly, I don't know if they're going to, and you won't ever know if they ever get that again. But I think that the, you know, the biggest thing for us was that, that hurt, but, and it sometimes damaged things in, in these children that some way that we had prayed for that would, that would be, um, grown um, in, in, in a lifetime that I will never know. And when we started doing that, I, I really quickly realized, like, this is not us just picking on kids. This is an us process. And, I and could I just say, and part of it is you, you know to some degree what the child is coming from, the environment. So could you explain just some of the various homes that came from the, the atmosphere? Yeah, I remember after our very first foster child left our home, within 24 hours, we got um, a call about some twins. And we were like, yes. And I think it's because we wanted to fill the void because we were in so much pain. But we, in reality, we didn't know what we were about to get ourselves into. And so these children came to us, and uh, they were nonverbal. They were two, almost three. They were nonverbal. I like in the most respectful way they were not civilized at all like we I don't think we left the house for a little while because we were trying to really work with them um, but they come from like you don't know the ins and outs you only know what's on paper but what was on paper was enough to rock us as far as like the abuse the neglect the being kept in your room all day at two years old with just mattresses on the floor and then like them kind of climbing. I mean, kids climb to get food, but they were like scavenging our home for food. And that was the reality. Like, this is what act, what kids are actually going through. And so I think that's kind of the shift for us, too, is like, this is a ministry. Yeah. Mark had actually said, they might not know the word of God, but they will experience the word of God here. Absolutely. I mean, some of these homes, they're, you know, parents are divided up. Some are in court, some are in jail, it's a mess, it's harrowing, some of these babies come to them, they're just, have they even been detoxed fully or are they detoxing? We had one child that had been in the NICU for two weeks, so she had um, been able to do some detoxing. We got another infant straight out of the hospital and they sent her home immediately and she had to detox again. So you just see the reality immediately of, of when you're opening your life for the Lord, it's not an, it's not candy land. It's not an easy experience. Like there's stuff that comes with it, emotional, spiritual, natural. There's a whole lot you guys are doing. And can we just give them a hand for all they've done? <laughs> like we just got to, this is a big, big load, you know? Um, and, and for me, this is so important because, you know, bleeding hearts don't change the world. Hands that get dirty change the world. And really, they, they put their hand to the plow, and they're making a huge difference. And we celebrate you guys for that. And I remember those twins. I, I remember, you didn't share this, but you had had that little girl for a while. It was right before Christmas. You had tons of gifts for her. And then they called. She was gone in like a few hours. And you just.
sent the gifts with her, and I know it was devastating because it was going to be your first Christmas with a child, with a baby in your home. And so they took these twins that were really um, so challenging, and by the time those twins left, they were different little boys. They were so calm and peaceful and happy, <laughs> and it was incredible. Um, in just a month, what you and Mark were able to do. And th think about this, Elsie, to get a picture. Some of them are in homes. Some of them are in homes that are hell. They come into a place of heaven, and then they get pulled and sometimes go right back into the same home if, if the court orders that. It's beyond your control. There's nothing you can do about it. So that's painful. Let's talk about that. It's painful, and then it just shows us the importance of having to pray, pray over them. So important that we can, because we have had one child for as little as two weeks, and so we had to like, for, like how do we pray for each other? Let's pray for her. But I think that as we got engulfed into, into all of this is when we really discovered that there was a crisis, because we realized there was a crisis with the children individually. But as we started to learn more about the community, we realized that there is a crisis in our city. Um, well, like I think in our within our first year, we realized like emergency shelters. So you guys have heard orphanages. That's now called an emergency shelter. And they were getting shut down. And these emergency shelters have tens to hundreds of children. So there are now tens, of ten, tens to hundreds of children without a place to stay. Caseworkers are overloaded. Some of them, the children were having to stay in hotels. Caseworkers were having to stay outside of their hotel room and sleep overnight there, so they're exhausted. They have way more children on their caseload than they're supposed to have. So then the whole system was overloaded, and children are slipping through the cracks. And so we realized, wow, w this, is a, this is insane what's happening. And I wanted to take on 500 children, but, at, but we could literally only take on two at, at the moment. And so I think that's when it really shifted, like, ooh, this is – become like we wanted to adopt and now this is a ministry and now this is ministry yeah so good so um tell us about the restoration that god has done in your life i know we've talked about the heavy stuff um but tell us because it really is an incredible story it is i love just kind of the progression of of uh, restoration that god has done so he like restored our marriage and then he restored our house so we um we were able to buy a home and and build it and write scripture over it and things like that. But then he also just restored our family because the children that we have right now, we've adopted one. Her name is Mia. We adopted her last October. So we have a little daughter and we are about to adopt another little girl. Her name is Natalia. And the coolest part of that restoration is that the two little girls that we had been placed with when we were foster parents over 10 years ago, their names were Mia and Natalia. You don't and believe so that's that? Huge restoration. That's insane. It's amazing. And I think they have, they have a picture of our babies up there. They're so cute. <laughs> They're a handful, but we love it. Um, <laughs> but as he restored our family, I also realized God has a strategy to restore this crisis. It's bigger than just me and Mark. It's bigger than it's bigger than us. And I believe that He has the uh, the church in mind for the solution. And so there's a slide here. I just want to talk to you real quick about a couple of things that every child needs who's in care. 
Um, one of them is they need a caseworker. So one of the statistics is outrageous is when a child in foster care has to switch their caseworker, um, even one time, their odds of getting adopted go down significantly. So we've got to help these caseworkers. Could, could that be because the new caseworker doesn't know the full story? Of yeah, the of the absolutely. So yeah. they only go by the notes from the previous caseworker, and depending on how well those were done, because they're overloaded. So a caseworker could be working with a child for six months, nine months. They know the whole story. They know the family. Mm -hmm. They know where the parents are, what's going on. Then they switch, and now this person is just a set of notes. You follow me? Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, the other thing is foster, kinship, or adoptive family. That's huge. We need a home, loving home. Uh, CASA advocate. So a CASA advocate is basically a court-appointed person that helps, like they are just there for the child. They come in once a month, um, get to know this child, and then they talk for them in court. And the other thing is a verified babysitter. I will say that one of the biggest things for foster families is a babysitter because we cannot just ask our closest friends and family. They actually have to be verified and get licensed to be a babysitter, which makes it challenging. And so this is one of the biggest tensions for foster families and probably one of the easiest things to get involved in would be a verified babysitter. Uh, dedicated care lawyers, huge and so important. We need that. Um, support people, mentors, tutors, a lot of them are going to be struggling in school in some capacity. Um, Mia, our adopted daughter, has a lot of doctor's appointments and things like that that we're not even discovering until now. And so they need some people to help them get ahead or get on track. And so those are a few things. And so we as a church have actually created a couple of avenues. If you're feeling like a tug today, like, oh my goodness, these poor children, I want to help support this community somehow, whether it's by becoming a prayer warrior, a babysitter, all the way to becoming a foster family and so many things in between. We've created a few avenues to do that. Um, I have the information. Did you want to say anything first or do you want me to go into it? Okay. okay. So one of the very first things that we have set in place is we've partnered with an organization called South Texas Alliance for Orphans. They've been incredible. Their main purpose is to help churches support the foster care community. It's such a beautiful organization. So they've, I've been able to partner with them. We've been able to partner with them. And we're going to hold an information meeting on December 3rd, directly after our second service, where you're going to hear more about the crisis. You're going to get to find out how you can play a piece in this puzzle. Because one of the things that they believe is everybody can play a piece. If you feel that on your heart, if you feel a tug, if you feel called, there's a piece you can play and we will help you play the play the part. The other thing is that we have partnered with the Alliance um, to put on what is called Jingle Mart. So here's where the fun part begins, because we talked about so many heavy things. But this is where, for the holidays, kinship caregivers, so that's like the grandmother, the aunt and the uncle, friends of the family that have said, yes, I want your child to stay in my home. I will, I will raise your child as long as I have to. Um, they're putting on this shopping event for them. So they can, the kinship caregiver can go. They can get um, Christmas gifts for free, have them wrapped there, and they make it really fun. They'll have a gift even for the caregiver. And they leave, and they get to put this gift, these gifts, under the tree for their family. And I believe it's not just the family and care. It's for all of their children. So that's beautiful. And we get to partner with them in two ways. So the very first way is you can actually volunteer to go 
serve at Jingle Mart, where you could sign up to wrap gifts, you can sign up to be a greeter. They have a, a ton of things, and you can sign up for your time slot. They make it so easy, and it's really fun. The next thing is that you can donate gifts that we have a wish list for. So we've created an Amazon wish list, which was given to us by the Alliance of Items that they have requested for teenagers. We decided that we wanted to really zone in on teenagers because oftentimes the teenagers are who get neglected in all of this. And so we have an Amazon wish list which has things that teenagers would love. And if you want to purchase that item and bring it back here unwrapped, we actually in the courtyard have a table set up where we can receive those. We'll donate them and they'll be there so the caregivers are going to shop for those items at this Jingle Mart. So we're so excited to be able to partner with them. And we're so excited that our church family gets to come along and be part of this solution to the crisis as well. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> so again, <clears throat> at the very least, we're aware of what the possibilities are for our church to be involved in the lives of people and families that affect our city. Right? We get to express the heart of God in a couple of different ways here. And we have opportunity. God can do a lot with opportunity. Amen. He's done a lot here. Um, this has been a beautiful story. Uh, you know, and I think as I'm sitting there looking at Johnny here and Andy and Henry, like a lot of us who've been around you guys for well over a decade and just watching your journey, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of your faithfulness. Guys, I don't know what Grace Avenue would be without these two. Seriously, they're some of the most faithful people. Yes, seriously. Yeah, Mark, Mark's played every instrument. You know, when things were tight, he was playing month after month without a break. I mean, there's just been seasons where they're going and going and going and dealing with their own stuff at the same time, all this stuff that they're going through. So we're, we're, proud, we're proud of you. We love you. And we just pray God's blessing on your future in that beautiful picture that represents the future for you guys. We're excited about it. Wasn't this a great day? All right. So um, we're, we're, we're about to dismiss here. Um, could I just pray and ask God to just bless this time that we heard all of this today? Father, thank you for making us aware of your heart for people, your heart for individuals, your heart for children, your heart for orphans. God, I pray that today we would be a church from this day forward that becomes even more aware of the needs that are happening around us. And God, that you would move us in whatever way we can. If it's to give a gift for this event, if it's to pray, if it's to go deeper into this to become more of an advocate or a role player in this whole scenario, God, give us the grace and the fortitude to do what you've called us to do. Father, we pray for blessing on Mark and Missy, that God, as they begin this journey, that God, you would give them the strength, the resources, the courage to continue to speak out and make others aware and to do more through them, Lord, as this ministry has been birthed out. Father, we thank you for the blessing that they are to Grace Avenue and to the kingdom of God and to this city here in San Antonio. And we bless Mia and Natalia, God. We thank you that those children are now part of your kingdom, part of a loving family. In 
Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.